Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're in Matthew chapter 12, and we're going to peek at this week's sermon text, beginning in verse 22. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and unable to speak was brought to him. He healed him so that the man could both speak and see. All the crowds were astounded and said, Could this be the son of David? When the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man drives out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of demons. So the Pharisees show back up again. We saw them at the healing of the man with the shriveled hand. And then we get a break while Jesus leaves town, is followed by these crowds, heals them, tells them not to make a big deal about it, thereby fulfilling Isaiah 42. And then the Pharisees are back in the picture again when Jesus now heals a man who has been rendered blind and mute by demonic possession. Their response is, again, laughable. It's fatuous, both in how they would respond to further proof that Jesus is Lord, but then also their argument does not hold weight in and of itself. It's a self-contradicting argument, which in the sermon this weekend, you'll, you'll see exactly why. And it may put uh, a famous quote by Abraham Lincoln into a different perspective for you. These guys have shown up over and over again, and this was a warning by Jesus earlier in the gospel text. They, they call him Beelzebul in verse 24 of the text. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus, before sending the apostles out, temporarily imbuing them with the authority to perform the same miracles that he would perform in his earthly ministry, warned them, look, they call, if they call me Beelzebul, just imagine what they're going to do to you. And now here we are in Matthew chapter 12, just a couple of chapters later, exactly what Jesus foretold would happen, happens. All right, it, uh, they, they refer to him as the prince of demons, or, or in, in, some, in some regards because of the name Beelzebul, it, it, it bears similarity to the, to the false god Baal, Baal, Baal. They would refer to Jesus as the prince of demons. This is blasphemous. This is a blasphemous thing to do. The prophet Isaiah, again, our next study, teaches us, woe to you who call good evil and evil good. That is precisely what the Pharisees did, and it's something that modern culture does today. Perhaps not to the most overt, you know, demonological context as it happens here, but we're heading that direction. <laughs> the more and more of the, uh, like, uh, the, the occult gets normalized, you know, these kind of conversations won't seem so kooky and off base, you know. Uh, man, be ready. This is how they treated Jesus. He warned the disciples, just imagine how they're going to treat you. It was exactly as he predicted would happen. Observe the sovereign uh, the sovereign foreknowledge of Jesus on full display here. He was aware of all things. He was one with the Father. He communed directly with Him. That He emptied Himself, as Philippians 2 teaches, does not mean that Jesus rid Himself of divine power or knowledge. That's a false teaching that's been propagated surprisingly frequently, uh, even among biblically orthodox uh, teachers lately. Rather, he was fully aware of the fact that he would be called Beelzebul. He called it two chapters prior, and then he, and we see it fulfilled right here. These Pharisees had such hard hearts. They didn't like the idea that Jesus was Lord, that he would teach that it was lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath. And then when they watch him heal the man with the shriveled hand, they plot how they're going to kill him. They watch Jesus drive out a demon, and then they tell him that he, they, they accuse him of doing so by the power of demons. By the way, what does this indicate? It's proof that he actually performed the miracle. 
his worst critics, the guys who despised everything that he did, every good thing that he did, they referred to the good things that he did as evil, blaspheming as a result. Stay tuned on our upcoming sermon series. We're going to talk more about blasphemy and exactly what that means. But they confirm by way of their accusation that Jesus healed the man with the shriveled hand. They confirm by way of their accusation that Jesus did drive out this demon. This man was now able to see. He was now able to speak. That healing in and of itself bears its own striking resemblance to the gospel itself, but it's buried in the context of these accusations from the Pharisees. Jesus' authority is on full display, and the impotence of the Pharisees is likewise on full display by stark contrast. The crowds watch Jesus perform this healing, and their question is, can this be the son of David. Now, if you were with us when we studied the gospel account of, of this healing of the blind man who called out to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He knew before he could even see that Jesus was the son of David. And now Jesus heals a man who was both blind and mute by way of demonic possession. And the crowd thinks, could this be the son of David? That is exactly what the Pharisees did not want. This crowd indicates by way of their, uh, by way of their question and, and their right observation uh, indicates that they, they have a, a Jewish understanding of the Messiah, this prophesied son of David whose throne would never end, who, as we saw in the, in the book of Isaiah, uh, would bring justice to the nations. Jesus is fulfilling prophecy left and right, and he's, his, his authority is on full display. It's absolutely undeniable. But remember, as you evangelize, that's not always good. That's not going to be enough for people. Uh, that, that they will see the full authority of Christ, and many of them would deny his lordship. Even if they were shown miraculous proof, they would still not confess. That was the case with the Pharisees. They preferred their legalism. In our context today, we have other forms of new legalism, and it's not always, not always exclus exclusively religious. We've so spoken about how even Pharisaical legalism on Sabbath teachings pervades to this day in modern-day Israel, but the new virtue signaling morality is also pharisaical. It's also legalism. When you come upon somebody who does not adhere to the gospel of Christ, they don't know Jesus as Savior, and they believe themselves to be a good person, that's an incredibly common response. See the LifeWay Research Project on a survey of this that showed that numerous people, a huge percentage of respondents, forgive me for not knowing the exact stat right now, I believe that they've updated it since, believe that because they're a good person, they'll go to heaven. This kind of legalism still exists today, both within uh, agnostic culture and atheistic culture, the the modern day virtue signaling is the new the new Pharisaicalism, and it's it, it pervades within culture today. The Pharisees may be dead and gone, but legalism still lives on. They could not stand the idea of the crowd watching Jesus heal someone and then seeing, he's the son of David, he's the fulfillment of everything that God foretold, he's the prophesied anointed one. I'm going to place my faith in him. They were not neutral. They would not allow the crowd to defy them. They were observing proof of Jesus's lordship and they sought to squash the proof rather than respond to it. As we go into this weekend's text, prepare your heart because we're gonna delve into this demonic possession stuff. And the, the, the remaining text that we're gonna cover um, is going to give us more teachings about demonic possession, things like this. Uh, these are those things that we as Christians don't talk about a whole lot because we don't want to sound crazy, but uh, it's in the Bible, and it's biblical text, and we're going to speak it to the full authority of God. 
May we be like those in the crowd who observe the authority of Jesus and see him as the son of David. May we guard our hearts against the kind of legalism that would cause us to deny Jesus' lordship despite firsthand proof that he's the anointed one, that he's the Christ. When we adhere to legalism, we become Lord. When we adhere to legalism, we become our own saviors, our own logos, our own authority, our own judges, and we're really lenient on ourselves. So watch out for, as Jesus would warn, uh, the yeast of the Pharisees, the legalism of the Pharisees, because even in the face of numerous miraculous proofs, it only drove their murderous intent further toward the surface. Meanwhile, the crowds watched these things take place, saw him as the son of David, and they were firsthand witnesses to the prophecies of Isaiah fulfilled right there in front of their eyes. Maybe, may we be like the crowd who held Jesus as the son of David, not like the Pharisees who prided themselves on their own legalism, which is so pervasive even today. I'll see you tomorrow at church.